0: Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome back Fred Schenkelberg to the podcast. Welcome back, Fred. Hey, James. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be back. It's good to have you. I think it's been a while since we have recorded a couple episodes, at least for my show. I know we were doing some on your show previously, but I don't
1: think that we've had you on here in a while. No, not a while. You've been talking to all those famous people and all those movers and shakers in the industry. So you've been busy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far.
0: But, <laughs> but, you know, it's good to have you back. And, Fred, for those that haven't had an opportunity to listen to some of your past episodes, you have Ascendo Reliability, the website. You also host, speaking of reliability, you do webinars. You're heavily involved in the reliability engineering space. Although super brief, did I miss anything you want to share with our listeners?
1: Um. No, not really. There's articles, podcasts, and you can find all the podcasts that we have in the network, including yours, James. Uh, thanks for being a member of the reliability.fm uh, podcast network. Um, we're doing more and more courses. We're, we're getting more and more courses online uh, on Ascendo and from various authors. That They're not, not mine. They're all kinds of people. Um and there's resources, oh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff there. Leave, leave a few surprises out there for, for anybody that checks it out.
0: All right, excellent. Now, Fred, I know you have a tendency to live in the product development space, not the asset management space of reliability engineering, mm-hmm. although most of the tools are easily shareable. Um, but the question, the question I have for you is, is around some of those tools, so specifically the FMEA. And I know we've chatted about FMEAs quite a bit before. Yeah. But, I, but what I'm finding is that for companies that haven't done a lot with FMEAs in the past, you tell them you need three, four, five people for a period of time, whether it's a couple hours each day or a couple hours each week, um, to start doing that. Everyone's like, no, no, I can't do that. They don't want to give up the resources. Did you find that in your experience as well?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, it, it's easy to tally up the cost. You want six people for a day. Right. And they, and, you know, directors and operations managers and engineering folks, they can tally up that cost. And it's like, well, wait a second. I need that man week to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. How is this going to be more important than what they should be doing? And it's kind of an attitude thing. And it's fair, right? They got limited resources, limited time, and they got deadlines. And you come in and say, can I take your team away for a day? Uh, or or sometimes more, or sometimes less. Uh, that's a tough sell because the cost is immediate, right? And I think that's that's a fair pushback. Saying, "Well, what's in it for me if you do this?"
0: Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. You're taking my resources. How do I know what I'm going to get out of this? And especially troublesome if they've had past experiences with or with FMEAs or other similar activities. Where they send their people, they do this analysis, but they never see the results or hear about the results or anything like that. That's very hard to overcome.
1: It is, yeah. And, I, and it's not peculiar to any one industry or any one group or whatever. I've, I've seen it where I, I was sitting down with a group. There were six of us there and from five different industries. One was from aerospace, one was from uh, the railroad industry, one was from uh, electronics assembly systems, one was, you know, we all had completely different backgrounds, and we're all together in this one team, and none of them had good experiences with it, (laughs) none of them, and it was bad facilitation, it was just we didn't it we used the tool because we had to and and we created this great big report which nobody looked at and we already knew the answer before we started and, and just on and on and on and so I, fmea like any tool can be pulled out and just mandated and said you thou shalt use it especially the folks in the military space they're they're required to do it and oftentimes they outsource it to somebody else so that it has absolutely no, no value whatsoever um but it's, it's one of those things that there's been enough, I don't know, what's the right word, amateurs trying to do it and trying to figure out how to do it and realizing that it might be a good thing to do, but executing it pretty poorly. So there's enough of a spread of that experience out there that pushes people away from it and saying, well, what's in it? This isn't, I've done that once, it wasn't any good, you know, kind of thing. And there's a lot of barriers that are inherent in our cultures around one just change in general and I know you and I've talked about that before but two is past experience if it's not done well therefore they're all bad (laughs) kind of yeah
0: absolutely and I think part of the other thing too is depending on where we're using that FMEA there's going to be additional barriers added so if we're doing it from a design perspective We're using it to identify that our design is deficient in certain ways and our design is not robust. Yeah. That's how some people look at it.
1: Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had a designer actually tell me, he says, why are you calling my baby ugly? You know, this is my, I've been working on this for two years and you're telling me it won't work like 15 different ways. I'm like, yeah, kind of, but that's not the idea. (laughs) You know, come on, let's talk about this. Yep. But yeah, you're talking about failure and a lot of people don't want to talk about failures. We're going to talk about success. We're a happy group. You know, it's just going to work.
0: <laughs> so with all these barriers, what have you done in the past to get support or start gaining support for FMEA? Like I don't expect organizations to all of a sudden one day saying FME, FMEAs are the greatest things. We're going to do this forever. But how? what are the things we do to start gaining support? So if we ask for an operator and a mechanic, we're going to get
1: it. Um, how do we move in that direction? Well, when don't ask for it, just go do it. I mean, and it's the easiest by far. Is if you need to go talk to two people for a couple of hours, go talk to them for a couple of hours. It's easy to set up a meeting, but don't call it FMEA. If you have that much resistance, go sit down with them and say, Hey, we want to talk about how could this fail? What are the issues? What are the modes? What's more, what happens more often than not? In your, you can ask all the right questions and and do an FMEA. It takes a lot of work and it's not as convenient and you don't get the synergy when you bring everybody together in one room, but you can start that process. Then you could, I mean, that's my easiest, quickest answer is don't call it an FMEA. So, you know,
0: right. So as a facilitator, I'm going to go start asking the questions I normally would during an FMEA, but on an individual basis. And I'm going to take that and compile it to. That's a form of FMEA really.
1: Right, it's it's not great, it's not perfect by any means. Maybe you get two people together at a time or you know, it's easy to call a quick meeting and get it started. But that's not optimal by any means. But the the idea here is that if you face all these various barriers in the culture and you realize that if you just go to the ops manager and say, "Hey, I need six people to go sit do an FMEA, it's just going to be no. And, and be, part of that is because they're going to ask, well, what are we going to get from that? I don't want just a report. I want some action. This is, we don't know. That's why we're doing it, right? We, we, we're doing a study to prioritize what we should work on and what, where the issues are and p- potentially identify new issues or focus and stuff. And there's ways to to build on that you, on it already having been done right? And that's where I want to get to is that if you can go and talk to three, four people and you prioritize top 10 things and illustrate that those are important, here's why, right? Here's the action we're going to go do. And even better, if you're in a position where you can say, you know, Bill, could you work on that over there and just make, let's see if we can make that change. I'm the engineer, you're the tech, let's, let's go experiment with that and see what difference we can make. And we change something and we track the progress of that. And then we come back and say we just saved, you know, $15,000 a month because we made we identified that issue and we solved it. Now, nobody's going to argue with that, right? But then you add on, and this is where the marketing part comes in, is you add on to it saying, we're working on the things that are high severity and high frequency. You know, combinations of those things, and that's what a FMEA helps you identify. And we're doing that because we ask these questions, and that just happens to be called an FMEA. That's the value, and I can point to this, this, and this that we did based on that algorithm. And we're here's the savings from asking these and framing these questions and prioritizing that way. Now, let's extrapolate a little bit and say, if I put six people together, and I'm using six for some unknown reason today. I have no idea why that's my favorite number. But it's better than tra- saying, ask asking for 42 people, I guess. <laughs> right? And so I get these people together and we prioritize. Now we have more minds, more uh, experience, more ability to f- really ferret out what are those big hitters that we need to go solve down to like number 10 on that list. We're probably already working on one and two. But what's the next group that will really save us some money? And let's... Iterate on that and focus on it. And th- this happens to be a process that's a living document and we keep working on it. Where, it, So my answer to your question when when there's a lot of pushback and you're trying to gain support is just gaining support based on the theory and based on past experience. In many organizations, that's just a non-starter, right? You're going to need an adventurous champion that says, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll lobby for you and I'll get you those resources and go try it keep track see what kind of results you get and if it works out great that's great and we'll move forward if it doesn't then we tried and we're gone you you may be working in an organization that allows you to to do an experiment and they're willing to invest in it and that's great but if you're not and and you still see it as the right tool to help the organization we'll start small track the the results that you get and then just say you know if we figured these things out what if we found five more things like this and focused on them, and actually made progress on those, but it's prioritizing the ones that are meaningful according to these criteria, right, in which the FMEA provides that structure for. So you can go get results, and then extrapolate it and make the argument to do a more full or a full an ongoing program of FMEAs, and and it's grow that support organically by getting results. So, you
0: know what I'm hearing from the. When we're working in an organization, regardless of what those barriers are, we need to start small, focused, targeted, and then eliminate problems that are driving people nuts. As we eliminate those things, as we improve with those, then we'll start getting recognition, obviously, with a little bit of the marketing and sales things that we need to do. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. then we can grow that into start doing more complete or more robust programs. So the initial one might be, like you said, we're going to go talk to some operators, talk to some mechanics, compile it into this form of an FMEA show them the results, and then from there, we might do that two or three more times. Then we can actually have a formal FMEA meeting, which speeds up the process because we've proven that it
1: works. That's right. Now, it's it's easy if it's within your own group. Let's say you're working on a particular line, and I'm thinking of, of a manufacturing engineer or a reliability engineer that's working on a particular line or section of, of a program, and you've got your own team here, and here's just one of the many tools to help you problem-solve and prioritize, and it's in your purview just to do it, right? You're already meeting weekly probably with these groups. Well just do an informal FMEA and, and make progress on it and track it. Now, done well. And I, I'm I'm saying it's not like magic. You don't just do an FMEA and everybody's happy. It has to be done well. And that takes some thought and facilitation and follow through and you know, and it's not simple. I don't wanna minimize that. It's still a challenge for any individual to Go do it. But with a little thought and a little skill, you can find successes. And then, as that tool works, and somebody looks over your shoulder from the other department and says, How'd you do that? Well, this is what we did. We prioritized, we, we brainstormed, and we prioritized, and we started assigning action items and knocking them down and tracking the results. Now, it sounds a lot like, you know, Six Sigma Black Belt type stuff, right? It is this, it's, you know, it's, um, Oh, what's that Uh, plan, do, check, act type of process, right? It's, you can call it whatever you want, whatever is acceptable to the organization. Now, that's one way to do it. The hard part is saying, all right, I need three different departments to be involved with this and we need to fly in a supplier to to really give us the expertise that we need for this piece of equipment. And there, call it an FMEA. Get, you know, get the funding to make it happen and the resources to make it happen and get, you know, make sure somebody knows what they're doing as a facilitator so you get good value out of it. And those parts are harder because you have to have a champion very high in the organization to say, yeah, that's a good use of resources. Or the approach I found most successful is a track record that this works. And if we expand it across groups, it'll work better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that that kind of of, of thought process I, it, the strategy is called a beachhead right get a get yep. get your beachhead and move out from there um, I found that that works and and you start small the stakes are small and you can practice the facilitation you can recognize when somebody's saying, well what do you mean my process isn't right I designed that process and says it's, it's when you get resistance, that somebody is taking ownership and the criticism of that of that process or design or or whatever, um, too personally. Well, how do you diffuse that? Right? How do you move forward with that? That if it's only in a small group and your own team and you know the personalities, you can recognize it quick and you can probably deal with it and and learn from that. But when you start working with larger groups and people you don't know as well, it gets trickier to facilitate. So pre- start small. One, because you can, but two, so that you can practice in a safe place to get good at facilitating and and build out from there. Yeah, I like that
0: because one of the things I find is we try these larger FMEAs with people who haven't facilitated a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And as a result, it doesn't go well. There's arguments, there's discussions, there's all these things that happen and we don't get what we need out of it. Right. So I, I like the idea of practice and starting small build up those skills as a facilitator because every time you do one, you're going to learn more and more, right? Yep. Um, And then from there, then once you have a good base, then you can expand out a bit more to a more formal, larger group, different departments, those types of things. I think a lot of groups miss that part. They go right from, I'm going to take a class on FMEAs and not facilitate any, to we're going to do this large one that's on a critical system and has lots of visibility within the organization, and then
1: it doesn't go well. Right, and you spend two days with 10 people and you don't really get anything out of it.
0: UE Systems has been the premier source of ultrasound instruments, technology, and support for 45 years. From handheld inspection tools, state-of-the-art and complementary software, and now permanent sensors and 24-7 condition monitoring. UE Systems has everything you need to take your ultrasound program to the next level. UE Systems also offers five unique online courses to further your professional knowledge and ultrasound program. These courses range from lubrication best practices to ultrasound inspection on mechanical, electrical, and steam systems. Learn more at uesystems.com training slash online
1: courses. Now there's, there's another piece of this that we got to keep in mind is that The informal and build-up-as-you-go approach misses some of the key, to me, the key value of an FMEA. It's still there, but not as useful. And that's the cross-table talk. Um, I was going into an FMEA as this line was being built out, and there were software engineers and mechanical engineers and electrical engineers, and they were all competing for resources. And it was... Well, they were a well-funded startup, but they were still a startup. So, And they were at a spot where they just were competing for who gets to hire somebody. And so the software uh, uh, director of the software team collared me before we even got started and goes, this is a complete waste of time. <laughs> like, okay, seriously? And he goes, yes, I know exactly what the problem is. I need three more engineers. If this system won't work without a good software and we're, we're the bottleneck and we have these horrible problems we got to solve and blah 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 blah. Oh, okay. Well, let's see how it goes. Give me until the first break and just, you know, have an open mind and participate. And he agreed to do that. I think he was looking at the donuts and coffee in the corner at that point.
0: And don't for don't neglect the coffee and donuts or pizza. You recruit everyone to show up at your meeting at least the first one. If you oh, do Yeah, that right.
1: Yeah, if you have good pizza, they'll come back for a second one. Um so yeah, engineers work for food. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so at the break, he walked over and and because we only had done brainstorming, we kind of laid out what's the, the scope of what we're working on. And we started brainstorming on some of the high level functions uh, and what could go wrong. And at the break, he goes, I had no idea the mechanical team was facing those issues. I just had no idea because he was so focused on solving his domain's problems the tasks that came to his team and he was prioritizing those and he had he had a lot to do but they weren't as severe as because he could fix stuff on the fly right where the mechanical guys if they got it wrong it it was comp, you know it was a company it was a product disaster if they got it wrong and so there was an un, the product went launch kind of thing and he, he kind of opened his eyes up going oh Well, these other teams are also facing real challenges, and I wholly agree that they need more resources than I do at this point. And so one of the most significant values out of that first two hours was the teams that were up to that point competing for resources, looking at only their priorities, their silo, um, opened their eyes, they go, oh. We're all in this together. If we don't have all these pieces working, we don't have a product, and their problems look really, really bad, more so than mine. And so we need to work together to solve those. And that simple cultural shift was what the person that called the meeting was really trying to solve, right? Plus, we have lots of things we got to prioritize. How do we do this across these groups? And they got that too. But it was only when the teams recognized that the other groups also had problems. And how do we balance these? You know, Is 10 software issues equivalent to one hardware issue? Well, let's talk about it. Let's put severities and probabilities on it. And so it was in, in those cross-group FMEAs, that to me is a much larger value than having a list of 10 things to go work on right not to minimize having action items and going fixing things but it's the the culture of the team recognizing that we we all of our parts of our system have to work for the system to work and we need to work together to make that happen rather than competing with each other to make our part happen
0: Yeah, it's that overall systems approach, if you will. Right, right. We may improve this here, but this is going to cause all these other people and all these other areas problems. So, how do we collaboratively move this forward? And I think you know, the one of the major benefits that I've seen during FMEAs and RCMS is what you mentioned, where the team learns so much more about the asset or the system, how it works, the problems with it, how what they do influences
1: others, Mm -hmm. that
0: that's almost as valuable as the analysis itself in my opinion
1: yeah no I, I wholeheartedly agree yet it's you never really know if that's gonna pan out in the group right if everybody is sticks to their silos and goes back to their old behaviors after the event it, it had little impact but when when it's done well and you stress you you as a facilitator is making it safe for people to share and understand each other's problems to get out of their own shoes, so to speak, use that metaphor. And un- take it from the point of view of the other team's point, you know, uh, perspective of this and then sh- share your perspective, but make it not, I need that resource. So you don't have a, b- a big problem. And then la, 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 la. I never listen to it. Now you- that's the facilitator's job is to get people to be safely able to discuss the issues that they're facing and under, and it's sort of like just the facts it's, here's how often it occurs. Here's how, what happens when it occurs. Here's the consequences of it. Here's its connections and and laying it out in that structured way allows us then to say, all right, well, this is more important than that. And that's the whole point right, of an FMEA is what do we collectively need to work on and focus on and devote resources to solve? And when those get solved, then hey, your problem is next in line. You can see it; it's number six on the list. We're get, we got to get to that too. But right now, this one over here in this other department is more important. Do you agree? And so, a well done FMEA goes back to the original question, James: Is that now we have a team that says that was a useful discussion? I learned a lot, right? And we actually got these eight action items and we went off and solved those things. We, and we made progress. We could, and you get, that's the other hard part is you got to quantify how much of a difference it actually made. Right. Um, So that you can justify the expense of doing one again. But the, if you can get your team members to say, that was a useful discussion, I learned something. That you need to write down. You need to get them, to give you permission to quote you on this. Right. And to point to it and say, this is part of the justification. It's changing the culture and it's making a difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You get all those benefits. And I think as more organizations going back to the original question is how do we gain support for these is as that cross collaboration continues and people learn more and more about these things, I, and they start to see those benefits. I think that helps us build that support, but it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's a oh, no. short, it's a not a continuous or immediate process, if you will.
1: No, not at all. And even if you have senior management support or you do one FMEA and it gets recognized that that was really valuable. Um, and I've seen FMEA programs get absolutely destroyed because somebody says, oh, that was good. Let's do that all the time. Now, like, wait a minute. FMEA is not an all the time tool. It's useful in lots and lots of circumstances, but it needs to be the right tool for the problem. Right? Just because you don't have a hammer in your kit doesn't mean you use the big wrench. Right? Well, we do sometimes. It's it is a tool to help in specific problems and issues and so on. So use it when it's going to add value. I always want advise people that going into doing an FMEA or thinking it's the right tool is to think through, well, what's the potential benefit from this? right? If we already have a top 10 list of critical issues that are high severity that we need to go solve, FMEA was, and the FMEA is really only going to confirm that. Well, then don't do the FMEAs. It's not really going to give you much value other than that crosstalk, which I would agree is useful, but you already have a mechanism that those are the top issues and we're going to resource those anyway. If there's doubt about those being the top issues, or we have eight different top 10 lists and they're all different within an FMEA is a beautiful tool to coordinate across that entire system. So it's, it's use the tool when it is the right tool to use. Otherwise you destroy it. And then also if you have a senior manager that says, Oh, that was great. Do it all the time. Coach them in saying, if we do that, one, we don't have enough facilitators Two, it's not always the right tool. It works well when it's applied well. So let's be careful about that. We don't want to destroy it. And um, some will understand that. Some won't. And they'll just say, thou shalt do FMEAs every Tuesday, you know, like some ridiculous thing like that.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Now, Fred, I think we've
0: taken, we talked a lot about building that support. What are your top, one or two things you want to tell our listeners to build support for FMEAs? How, how do we want to summarize this conversation?
1: Um. In vast majority of situations, start small and build a case history of success, right? Be absolutely fanatical about uh, connecting the use of FMEA or of the tools in FMEA to how it makes a difference, right? If somebody says, this is a great discussion, I learned a lot, write it down. If the action item actually makes a difference and you should be measuring it, write it down, right? Put it on a, poster, put it on, on somewhere where it's visible, you add it to your boss's briefing, you know, slide deck or whatever, let, and let other people take credit for it. Right. But let people talk about the success for it and just connect it to, well, that's because we did an FMEA. Right. And this is how it made a difference. And this is the same with any reliability tools is connect it to the value or the difference it made. And as you build that portfolio, then it, 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 I don't. I'm not going to say it gets easier and easier, but it does. It it you have a a uh, stockpile of a track record, so to speak, of that it works. So that's start small,
0: keep track of value. All right, excellent. So we're going to start small, keep track of value, build up on that as we move forward. All right, excellent. Now I'm assuming once we get to that certain point in time where we track. We we're starting small. We we're tracking value. People see the value and benefits. that we're going to hit a tipping point, right? Mm-hmm. And that tipping point is when we're going to get support. And we're no longer fighting for this.
1: Yeah, and that's, does that happen? Oh, yeah, I think so. And it, I think the tipping point that you want is not that. Is not like I just mentioned where somebody says, "Oh, everybody do it on every program," right? No, don't do that. That's that's you getting support and. A cover basically for resources to go do it. You still have to be careful when and where you go do it. So it's, it continues to add value. The tipping point to me that's critical is when you say, Hey, you know, you send out an email to six people and you say, Hey, on Tuesday, can you carve out two hours? We're going to sit down and do an FMEA and this part of this process. And Everybody says, great, we'll be there. Can you send me the, you know, drawings or what system are we working on? You know, what what's the pre-work for this? Instead of saying, oh, an FMEA, well, I really have to get my hair done. I just washed my hair and I have to, you know, I, you know I'm going to take my dog to the groomers that day, you know, or whatever. They come up with all kinds of excuses to get out of it. The tipping point is when they say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We need to do that. That's the tipping point is when you have enough of a culture and enough of people that are saying, yep, that's a useful tool. I see why it's useful here. I'll be there. Or I can't be there because I'm going to be on a lake in upper Ontario. So I'll send my, you know, best engineer to step in for me and make sure it happens. Then, you know, you've made it right. If it's still a poll to get people there, you haven't done it. If you, if people recognize the tool, and use it on their own or willingly participate and prep themselves to be effective in it, then you know you're there. All right.
0: Excellent. So then we know we're there. Once we have that, then, you know, it's just using it appropriately. We're not mandating you're going to do it for all of these activities. We're going to make sure that we do it appropriately so we continue that support for it. One of the things I've seen in the past is organizations will say, now you're doing an FMEA on everything. Yep. Which and means now, you're doing it on nothing. Right <laughs> is what it really means. So then, then that comes to that next piece of making sure that it is specific to the application, speci- it's the right tool to use those types of things.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know it, and sometimes at some point like that, an organization will say, "Well, we need a like a, a manual or a procedure written up on how to do FMEAs." And there's plenty of them out there. There's all kinds of standards, but very few of them say, or upfront here's a list of questions before you even call a meeting for it, is here's the criteria by which we do this, right? Here's the signals that say that this is a useful tool for us. That has to be gone through before you call a meeting and get, do, conduct an FMEA. And I think that's missing from so many standards and organizational documents that talk about the procedures and the terms and definitions and everything else is include the criteria when and why you do it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, Fred, I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about FMEAs. But before we go, where can people find out more about you? Um, Where can they get in touch with you? Where can they find out more about all the great things you're doing and so on and so forth?
1: Well, you mentioned it early on was the AscendoReliability.com is where I've been focusing a lot of my work and energy and and bringing in all kinds of other talent to uh, share what they know about stuff. And so that's the easiest one by far. Um, You can also find other podcasts, as I mentioned earlier, at Reliability.fm. It's our Reliability Engineering Podcast Network, which uh, I think we're up like six or seven shows now. And... Uh, there's about pages, there's comment forms, there's all kinds of ways to get in touch with us. Our my about page has my email and all that stuff. And you can also, I'm sure James, you're also pretty active on LinkedIn. It's a, it seems to be more and more of the go-to tool to get in touch with people. And, and I welcome any connections or messages there. And I try to respond as quick as I can, like always. So, um, it's pretty easy and and you know James you and I have names that are easy to find on on Google so we're we're fortunate that way.
0: Well, yeah, if they can spell it right, they can find me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, same here. <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> you know, if you I, I I wonder if we just, you know, googled uh J space K space reliability would it find you? I don't know. I'm going to try that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bye. yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. And, and uh, do encourage people to ask questions or get in touch. Um, I, as you know, James, I love talking about reliability stuff. So um, more of the merrier on that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one other question
0: I always like asking is, do you have any favorite resources for FMEAs? Is there a book, a website, a blog? Obviously, you know, the blog on Ascendal Reliability has a lot on FMEAs. Mm-hmm. And I'll make sure to link to that. But is there any major resources that stick
1: out in your mind uh two of them actually one uh is carl carlson um has a series on Ascendo uh called oh i'm drawing, inside fmea or i can see the logo for it it's like a tree um you can see it under articles, under tools, I think, or maybe on product development. Or if you just search for FMEA, you're going to run into Carl's stuff. Now, we're actually trying to redesign the site. I've been working on it for a couple of years now. It's amazing how many moving parts there are. Um, where there's a resource page that Carl built that lists, here's if you're brand new to FMEA, here's the 10 articles to go see. Here's the sequence. If you're want to focus on facilitation, go see these articles. And then he lists out books and webinars and training and podcasts that where we talk about all this stuff. So it's it's pretty much the one-stop shop to learn everything you need to know plus more on FMEAs. And Carl's got a a really detailed, well-written book on the subject. It's big, right? And it covers everything. Now, if The other resource I recommend, and I think it's up on the site also in in Carl's area to point to it, is by McDermott. And it's a little itty-bitty book. It's got, I don't know, 40 pages, 50 pages, something like that. It's a small format. You can read the entire thing in an hour, but it's a go-to resource for just the basics. Here's the definitions. Here's the process. Here's the basic steps. And so I often use that book. And I give them to everybody coming to the meeting prior to it. So we all have a common language and process to start with. And it's quick and easy. If you scan through that thing, you've got the basics, and then we can build on from there. Uh, So McDermott's book is called uh, Basics of FMEA, I think, or something like that. And then Carl Carlson's work on Ascendo and other places. um, But he's got a great resource page up on the site. All right, excellent. I will make sure to link to
0: all of those. Um, Those are about how do you do FMEAs. I believe they provide some great insight to facilitating because Mm -hmm. that's what Carl's all about is making sure they're effective and not just a time suck. Yep. Um,
1: And that's the title of his book. So I'll make sure to link to. Yeah, that's the title of his book is Effective FMEAs. But his series is named slightly differently. So you'll find it. You'll find it.
0: All right. All right. Excellent. Well, I will make sure to link to all those in the show notes so people can easily find them. Fred, I want to thank you for taking the time again. It's always a pleasure.
1: Joy's all mine, uh, James. I always enjoy it and look forward to another invite someday. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, James.
0: I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at com and by following our blog, the Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted and Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.